Hi, everyone. Welcome to this episode of the Transform TV podcast series. Today, I am joined by Arjun Bomek, who is the Vice President, Integrated Supply Chain Western Europe for the Carlsberg Group. Um, Arjun, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for inviting me, Arjun. So why don't we start by maybe you telling our audience a little bit about yourself? Sure. Uh, I joined Carlsberg about three years ago uh, as the VP of uh, uh, supply chain for Western Europe. Uh, but before that, I was with Mondelez International for about 12 years in various parts of the world. Um, before Mondelez, I worked for Coca-Cola for about six years. And before Coca-Cola, I was with a company called Indian Aluminium Company, which was a subsidiary of Aluminium Canada at the time uh, for about another six years. Um, so I have always been in, um, in, in supply chain, so to say, but uh, in various parts of it, production, manufacturing, uh, pure uh, customer service and supply chain, logistics, uh, and also engineering. So, so I have covered the whole gamut of supply chain over the last 27, 28 years. And, um, and uh, you know, I've been in three continents. I've uh, worked in Asia for a long time. Uh, I also handled uh, North America for Mondelez uh, and, uh, and now Europe. So that's in short me uh, and my journey in supply chain. That's in short. Okay. Well, so you've seen quite a lot. Um, yeah. And I imagine, you know, I think we can't get away from it. Everybody's talking about the world and it will always be, I think for a while, we'll be talking about pre-COVID, post-COVID. Um, one of the questions I always used to like people that I would interview would be, how, how has supply chain changed since you got started? So maybe we talk, we, we, I ask you that question before we get into COVID. In, in your opinion, how has the world of supply chain changed since you got started? And when you, when you ask this, you mean when I started my journey? When you started, uh, yeah, and, your journey. And, and, and now, yes, I, I, think, I think it's been, a, it's, been it's even difficult to uh, describe how much of the change it has been. And, um, and when I look back upon it, 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 it seems like um, for the past three years, every year, the amount of change that we have seen is, uh, is a multiple times of the previous three years. So, you know, I, when I started, uh, after it was after four or five years that I saw my first computer, <laughs> and which is like unthink unthinkable now, uh, I used to work on Lotus 1, 2, 3, which nobody has heard of it now, Fortran. C++ and all this stuff. So wow. uh, you could call me a digital dinosaur, I, I guess. But over the last um, like uh, 10 years and, and uh, or so, the, the changes in supply chain has been, it is just incredible. And mm -hmm. uh, you know, whether it's the digital revolution, whether it is um, the, the work that every company is doing to pass on responsibility to every level in the organization, it's no longer this, uh, couple of guys sitting on top trying to manage everything. And uh, so empowering the organization to take decisions at all levels. And uh, the work that has uh, the companies have done on, uh, uh, on, de on demand, uh, demand on, on supply, um, just in time, uh, reducing inventory across the value chain, and also uh, the amount of work people have done on, on excellence per se. Like mm -hmm. when I say excellence is lean TPM, and this kind of work uh, is, is just incredible, the amount of work that has happened. Off late in the last five to six years, um, uh, we have seen a lot of 
digital work happening, uh, whether it is in demand area, whether it is in, in the factories themselves, they are becoming more and more digital. Uh, and, and this has resulted in faster decision-making and uh, a decentralized decision-making, the most important thing. As a result of it is faster because it yeah. doesn't have to go through the chain of command for a simple decision, uh, it's just taken on the, on the floor. So I think uh, faster decision making, shorter uh, supply chains, uh, you know, faster reaction time, improved speed to market, uh, and you know, uh, intense competition uh, yeah. has been the hallmark of the last uh, four to five years. And it has actually um, improved our supply chain uh, dramatically uh, in all companies, so to say. And, and, you know, I bet you that that change, because um, I really I really think that what you said is spot on about the pace of change being so dramatic that almost yeah. every three years it doubles. Uh, yeah. it, it's unprecedented. And the last 10 years have been incredible. Let's not even talk about the last year, but, let, but yes. you know, let me let me talk to you a little bit about leadership and uh, the changing face of leadership over time in supply chain. How do you think. Um, leadership has changed or evolved since you began your career? I think uh, one of the things that I, I have personally gone through, of course, uh, through leaders that I have worked with, and also in, I see this change in me, myself as well, is that uh, over a period of time, leadership uh, has, uh, the definition of leadership has evolved and it is no longer uh, command and control. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, it was command and control when I started. Uh, there was a chain of command and you went through that, decisions followed the chain of command and came down, but no, no longer. So this is, now what, what I see is leadership is more um, creating an environment where people can take decisions. Uh, creating an environment where people can learn, uh, an environment where people can uh, put their views across. You have uh, deliberation, debate, uh, discourse, but at the end of it, a decision, and then mm-hmm. the team uh, goes and, and uh, implements the decision. So I think leadership um, has ceased to be about, only about command and control. There's still uh, uh, an aspect of command and control there, but that is no longer the primary aspect of leadership anymore. Uh, I think leadership is more about creating an environment where people can, uh, people can thrive and, mm-hmm. and, uh, and be their best uh, every day. And people like to come to work. Well, you, you know, I think you said something earlier in, when we were talking about the, how supply chain has changed. You mentioned or alluded to the fact that it's not just supply chain. Business models are changing as well. Yes. You know, businesses are, are, are moving away from this command uh, sort of management style, right? Where hmm. I, I don't know about you, but when I got started, you're, you did what your boss told you because your boss told you and, and that was yeah. it. And we're moving away from that, that kind of environment. Um, but let's talk about now the impact of COVID, um, the impact of COVID on your leadership style. Have, 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 do you think it's had an impact on your own leadership style? Yes, uh, I think uh, it has. Uh, it has accentuated a couple of things. Um, okay. I, I would say that the fundamental styles, the fundamentals of the leadership style uh, remains. Uh, of course, everyone evolves over a period of time, but. Two areas uh, where I think uh, you know things have changed. One is the area of uh, because now there is uh, so much change happening on a daily basis in the in, in the market, and uh, it is absolutely important to pass on clear, unambiguous communication. Yeah. So I think 
one of the things that I have changed has uh, uh, is is the amount of face time I have with my people. So whether it is with, uh, but mostly through video now. Uh, previously, it was uh, it was uh, physical, uh, you know, meetings. But now, uh, you know, um, it, it's funny to say that this, but actually, my face time with my people have gone up now in the yeah, last uh, one and a half years because I'm meeting them more regularly, more frequently over video. And uh, so, so one of the important things that uh, I've seen in changing in my, my way of working is to be more accessible, more available, and to give as much clarity as I can. So that is one aspect of it. The second part of it is that my interaction with my superiors, th that also has undergone some change because um, expectation management is an important thing now. Okay. Uh, so, and, and in today's world, uh, as you can understand, it's very difficult to pinpoint one number okay. because it is, the, the situation is constantly evolving. It's a flux. Mm -hmm. so, so my uh, interaction with my, my superiors and my bosses are, are always about a range of possibilities. Okay. And, uh, you know, what's the most pessimistic scenario, what's the most realistic scenario and what's the most optimistic scenario. And uh, as a result of this, uh, you know, I, I am able to offer certain uh, freedom uh, to the working groups uh, within a framework, of course, yeah. because there is there's an expectation, expectation setting done already. Mm -hmm. um, previously, you know, we would agree on one number, uh, but now we agree on a range of possibilities. I think these are the two two. Uh, important things that I think uh, there are other small nuances, but I, uh, these are the two important things I would mention at this time. You know, you, you, you talk about how you're having more FaceTime with people these yeah. days. I guess it's because you're not spending a lot of time traveling, you know, to exactly. different places. It gives you more uh, accessibility uh, to, your, to your teams and to your superiors. Um, do you think that that level of accessibility is something that's going to change post-COVID? Are you wanting to keep it the same? Has it been, I, I mean, has it given you results? Yes, absolutely. I, I, I think your last question is, is really important. Uh, and I think we have taken a lot of surveys on this to understand. And um, it absolutely does given us a lot of results. I think there is uh, a lot of clarity in the organization now. And even when we do not have the exact results that we need, but there is clarity about uh, why that happened. So there is a lot of two-way communication um, that is going on. So yes, that, that, is, that has proved to be very helpful. Uh, the, the, the other important thing is uh, your, your first part of the question, are we going to have the same level of accessibility post-COVID? I think to a large part, yes, because um, I think it has now been proven without any, any doubt that a large number, a part, proportion of the travel that we used to do was unnecessary. Mm. Uh, it was more of inertia than any, anything else, you know? Yes. That you felt compelled to travel, like as, uh, you know, as we've always people, done it. Uh, we've always, we've done, always done, it. done it, right? We have, yeah. we have just set it around and, uh, you know, taking meetings through. So it was a lot of adrenaline fix. And, and I think now we have real, real, realized over a period of this last uh, 18 months or so that there is a lot of capability at the work centers. And given the right amount of, um, you know, space and, and empowerment and 
also handholding to some extent okay. people can really do well and okay. uh, and a lot of the supervision is not needed yeah so so i think i don't think we are ever going back to our old ways of working are we going to travel yes uh, but the travel will be a small percentage of what we used to do before uh, so i think a, a part of the um, uh, you know accessibility is is there to stay uh, and this well, is a good way of working you, you know arjun equally there's an opportunity to emerge out of covid with better business models more sustainable business models you know absolutely uh, sustainability is the the biggest crisis facing our generations you know alongside the covid urgency that we've had just now so if we don't have to travel as much that could be something else that is uh leads us to a better sort of management style etc i, I want to talk to you about something you said previously as well with regards to creating the kind of environment where people feel safe and can you know have access but equally are left a little bit to their own can we talk about failure for a second because we've we've had a lot of conversations with other senior supply chain leaders who are tasked with overseeing digital transformation strategies and we often talk about how effective it is to create uh, an environment where teams can fail fail quickly uh embrace that failure you know re reflect learn etc and do better what, what what's your thinking on this i think it's absolutely essential for for teams to fail a little you know because if if a team is never failing uh, it would indicate that they are not taking enough risks. Hmm. The targets are not maybe enough stretched. Mm -hmm. um, so, so failure is important. Uh, but I think you 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 mentioned that you have to fail. If you fail, fail fast and and then mm -hmm. pick yourself up and, and move on and to, to another another one. Um, but sometimes this is easier said than done. Uh, there are two two important uh, things uh, that, that determine the. Uh, the ability of a team to fail, so to say, it's mm -hmm. also its track record. Yes. So what do you mean? If, if a if a track record of a, uh, of a team is good, uh, I know uh, they'll feel more they, confident. They yeah. they feel more confident. Take and the organization also feels more confident about them failing in a couple of ventures. It's not mm -hmm. a problem, you know. Uh, but if 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 a team's record is uh, primarily of failure, I think uh, of course. If 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 that team is working in a pure innovation work, like uh, like an Apple product, for example, uh, mm -hmm. even probably they would not allow failure all the time. All the once time, you yeah. launch, but uh, but uh, yes, certain uh, certain jobs allow uh, more failure than others. Uh, but uh, but generally, I think a twenty to thirty percent um, failure rate should be acceptable because. Uh, otherwise, really, the teams are not taking any 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 risks. The important thing here is is uh, for the team again. The alignment is very important. Uh, that that you are taking stretch targets, so okay. people should acknowledge that those targets are really stretched targets, or okay. you are venturing into areas that nobody has done before. Uh, and and you know once once you fail, uh, that that should be regarded as as something that you tried that has not been tried before and you couldn't deliver the whole thing, but okay. So I think uh, the, the environment has to, has to allow that. Uh, mm. If the environment is too much focused on the what part of it, yeah. then it's difficult to, to, to experiment. But if you are, if the Carlsberg, for example, is quite balanced in this regard, they have what and the how. And uh, many times it has happened that the teams have not delivered the what, but the how was so strong that the team was evaluated fairly. And uh, and um, 
and the team was given more opportunity, more more time, more more resources to continue on the task uh, they undertook. So it's important that we send the right signals in the organization uh, to to balance the what and the how. Otherwise, people won't take. Uh, they will sandbag targets, yeah, and they they won't take uh, stretch targets. So yes, failure is critically critically important for innovation, for new ways of working. And especially in, in these times of uncertainty where people have to deliver new ways of doing things. Yeah, because uh, it's not written. We, we're, we're, we're an unknown, not, unknown. Yeah, there's no SOP. There's no SOP. We are exactly. in totally uncharted territory. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, innovation is so critical now. But I, what you said there was so spot on. I think we, you know, com companies that instill some sort of safe, you know, safety that we all have to work within this, that you can't fail, you can't fail. They're never going to stretch outside of their comfort zones. And in an environment that is, like we said, we're, we're on uncharted territories, but equally the competition, I don't think we've ever seen competition like we've seen oh. right now, you know, not just from the usual suspects, competition from new startup companies that blow up all of a sudden and, uh, and take market share from big players. So I think, I think you need to facilitate this area of, of failure in order to stretch yourself. I, I love what you just said there, but how do you think that you facilitate learning from failure as a leader? I think one of the important things to do uh, is to have uh, some float in your targets that allow mm -hmm. you to do experimentation. So for example, uh, I, I always try to keep what I call a war chest, chest some funds, you know, okay. uh, for which, which I, I call them for test and learn. Okay. So, um, so normally if your target is 100, you would try to get to 105 and that keep that five for this test and learn. Uh, so, so you can use that small funds that you have for, for doing things that you have not done before. Secondly, I think, again, here comes uh, my job, which is also aligning some of this uh, experimental stuff with my seniors, mm -hmm. saying that we are, we are doing these couple of things which, which have never been done before. The, the guys are trying this. Uh, it is over and above, above and beyond their targets. Uh, so so you need, we need to sell this properly. Uh, and that's the job of the departmental head or the, or the, or the leader, because uh, you need to give the air cover to your, to, to your people in case uh, a failure happens. Um, the important thing is to, is to make sure that people realize that failure was to, was to attain a stretch target and mm -hmm. not the normal one. And, and the last one is that for teams that take the stretch target, uh, they should not be penalized for not achieving a stretch target under no circumstances. Mm -hmm. This is very important. If the target was 100 and they took 120 as a target and they delivered 110, under no circumstances, they should receive partial emits or, or mm -hmm. something of that, that nature. Because then what happens? You kill uh, you know, the, 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 the spirit of innovation because then, then people will not take stretch targets anymore. Mm -hmm. So they will take so risks. They won't yeah, take risks, they won't. they won't push the boundaries. Yeah, they won't, because then stretch targets cease to be fun targets. They, they become uh, normal targets and become stressful. So, so it's important to make sure that the team that's working on the stretch targets, they identify this as some sort of a challenge, uh, sort of, uh, of, of something that has not been done before, it's fun, and, and it's, uh, it's, it challenges them intellectually and then bond, bonds them as a team. Mm -hmm. And all these things will be destroyed if you just link it to, uh, you know, uh, their, their rating. 
and then downgrade the rating because they could not deliver the full stretch, but they delivered 80% of the stretch, for example. So, so these are very important uh, um, things that I, I tend to do to, to make sure that uh, people feel comfortable taking stretch targets. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I feel very uh, happy to see when I, when I see that, so there's a, let's say there's a budget target of X and I've seen that the team themselves have taken X plus Delta X. Mm-hmm. Nobody has told them. So this already means that the team is now thinking in that manner. Mm-hmm. They're taking stretch targets. They are moving into areas that they have not done before. And they're doing it on their own because they feel now that the organization will support. Um, and and, the, and uh, the ending and the results of something like that could be things that you didn't expect. It could be it's it's, it's performance. Yeah, it's it's not it, it's tra- sometimes it is transformational. Really, uh, it's transformational. Um, you know, uh, so some of these areas, you know, people what people have delivered in the last eighteen months, some numbers, some of the results. Uh, that is just uh, you know, it's it's been just superb. And in a, in normal times, it was unthinkable. Mm. So now- the fact the fact that in such hardship people have delivered those these results it just shows that when the creativity is unleashed uh, when the combined brain power of of a team is unleashed uh, the results that you can deliver uh, are uh, you you haven't thought that those results were possible Hmm. so it is is, uh, quite remarkable uh, the results that some of the results that we have seen in the last 18 months and do you think, I mean, look, I'm, I'm going to ask you to speculate and generally, you know, yep. give us a general speculation here. But do you think that perhaps a lot of the transformation projects that fail are down to maybe an old school type of management thinking and not empowering their teams to fail and stretch? Do you think that could be some of the reasons? It, it, it could be. It could be. Uh, it, it also could be. Definitely, that is one of the, one of the reasons. Mm, uh, lack of inspirational leadership, mm-hmm. right? The, the, the team leader uh, is himself not uh, a, a person that uh, inspires confidence or inspires mm-hmm. um, uh, discretionary effort, so to say. Uh, mm-hmm. But um, uh, apart from that, there is also ability of, uh, of leaders to negotiate, uh, you know, uh, uh, freedom from, the, uh, from their superiors. Yeah. So if 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 you if you as a leader do not have the equity in the organization, yes, uh, it, it is difficult to pass on uh, that uh, level of empowerment to your team, because you are constantly being reviewed yourself. Uh, you will you will be like a pipe, and you will pass on that pressure to 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 your team. So it's so it's a cultural thing. I mean, from the top down, it really it's it's a, it, you have it, to, it is yeah. it is cultural. And it requires uh, some people to break out of it, of course. Yeah. Mm-hmm. To to, and 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 some people, uh, but within the same culture, also Maria, what we have seen is that there are some people who do much better than others, some leaders, okay. and and uh, it's because they are able to na- navigate through the organizational construct, uh, right. in a in a way that they are able to get more freedom, more. Um, empowerment for themselves and as a result of it their teams are also working with much more empowerment than than other teams so you right. see that all the time in organizations that some teams are 
they are they're much more um, and it comes out in engagement service some departments do much better than others yeah yeah uh, in the organization so so what advice would you give to supply chain leaders now in this complicated era that we're in navigating the uncertainties of covid and uh, you know the way the future is in terms of creating this kind of culture what advice would you give i think my uh, my first uh, you know um, i can only say what i do it's advice mm. probably could be a strong word but yeah. uh, we need to take care of our people. I think this is a very important part of the of the, of the of the equation now, because uh, it's been a long time now. People thought, okay, this is six months; it'll go away. Then one year, it was called COVID nineteen for crying out loud, right? We are in twenty one now, mm-hmm. and now it's still going on. Like it's it's there's no end to sight. So, I think taking care of the emotional health of the people is is really really critical. So to make sure that they have what they need, the resources, um, the flexibility, you know, uh, and, and to take care of their emotional health and well-being is one of the important things that I would think yeah. is very, is crucial at this point of time. Yeah. The second part of it is, of course, to take care of your own uh, emotional health and well-being, because as leaders, if we if we are not bringing our best to the table every day. Uh, people will observe Im- immediately. Uh, yeah. People will will feel that uh, that that lack of energy and, and enthusiasm. And, and last but not the least uh, is we we need to uh, leaders at our level and also at senior level, more senior levels will will need to make sure that stakeholders are aligned. Yes, uh, because of a highly changing situation, complex situation that constantly is is moving. I think alignment is one of the absolutely important things today for all leaders uh, you know and and the scenario planning so on alignment of the various scenarios so these are the three things i would i would say are, are our very important part of, of the equation today uh, we didn't think a lot about emotional well-being of people before i mean we did but not to this extent this is yeah becoming more and more crucial as 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 time passes well, especially as we, you know, we're 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 in people's houses, you know, we're we're talking to them in their houses, we're invading their space, which we never had before. And I think we need yes. to consider these kinds of things and the the impact that has on your business. It can only help you build a more resilient business, right? That is right. Uh, that is one part of it, of course. And and we have seen people, you know, because they have three kids in the house and kids are not going to school, so they are taking the calls from the laundry room. Mm. And so, so this is one part of the equation. The other part of it is that in our breweries and factories and manufacturing facilities, even in such situations, people are going to work. Yeah. So they are going to work with a serious risk. You know, some of some people still take public transport. So it's wow. it's really both both are um, you know very very uh, you know we have to thank our employees uh, for for this time. It's a very, very critical that they, they stuck with us and uh, through this time period. So it's very important to, to take care of, the, of that part. So both for people who are working from home for a long period of time and people who, who need to go to work every day, uh, both uh, have uh, passed through very heavy challenges and they are, each day is a challenge. So as leaders, we need to really 
really understand that. So, so when we demand performance and other things, we need to temper it with, with that understanding and that emotional intelligence. I think emotional intelligence is one of the things that perhaps we need to focus on as well, because, you know, like you say, the, having the empathy to understand the risks that and, and what the risks that people are taking, also what they're juggling in their daily yes. lives, it's just not the same as it was three years ago. Yes. Arjun, this is all the time that we've got for today, but I really have enjoyed our conversation. I'd Thank love you. to see you again and chat to you again. No doubt our our viewers would like to hear from you again about what's been going on and uh, uh, and your 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 brand of leadership, I think, is very important. So thank you so much for, for being here. Thank you, Maria, for your time. Much appreciated. And for those of you watching at home, we'll see you at the next time. Thanks so much for tuning in. Thank you.